Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Our next guest is one of my favorite colleagues of all time. Worked with him uh, back in the old days, the local newspaper. He's doing a terrific job now at the San Francisco Chronicle as the senior NBA writer, sports enterprise writer, native of the state of Oregon. I almost said Oregon. Uh, native of the state of Oregon, Connor Letourneau joining us now. How are you, man? What's, what's new? Thanks for having me. That was quite the intro. I really appreciate it. You're one of my favorite colleagues of all time, too. Where do I rank? I want a ranking. I want to know like where I am. I want you to work on that after we get off air and tell me if I'm my top five, my top ten. You're definitely you know, top, top five, for sure. I'd have to really <laughs> break it down. But <laughs> Hey, give us an idea. By the way, last night, uh, Warriors lose a tough one. To the uh, to the Pistons at the buzzer. Are you covering every game, or are you just kind of going when you can, or how often are you getting to to the arena? Uh, to be honest, I'm not going to a lot of games these days. Like during the during the regular season, I pretty much go to practices and shoot arounds, and I, I don't really cover a lot of games. I'm doing a lot of non Warriors Enterprise, and yeah. the stuff I'm writing about the Warriors is more enterprisey. Yeah. But come playoff time, I'll be on the road with them. I'll be around them every day. Um, I'm just trying to juggle a lot of hats right now. That's a that's a better lifestyle too, because uh, that is a grind, and I don't think people understand. I think, you know, with Major League Baseball, the the beat reporters go and spend three or four or five days sometimes in a city. In, in the NBA, when you were on the beat, you were like on the fly. Like, give us an idea of what your Marriott points or what your frequent flyer miles were like. I was averaging about 125 nights a year in a Marriott. Um, I'm, I have lifetime ambassador elite status at Marriott. Um, I have a companion pass on Southwest Airlines. Um, you know, those were definitely some big perks. But to be completely honest, I'm not too upset. I'm not living that travel life anymore. I think the fiance is pretty happy about it, too. Amen to that. You had a piece on Draymond Green. That's why I really reached out to you and said, hey, i got to get you on. But, you know... Less than three months ago, he punches a teammate, Jordan Poole. Um, you know, what prompted you to write this story, and what did you learn about Draymond as you reported it? Yeah, so when that happened a few months ago, I was definitely one of the people who was writing the most about the fallout. I felt like every day for a few weeks I was writing about all the different ramifications, all of the different angles of that story because it, it felt so important, because it was so important. Um, you know, I was looking at what it could mean for his future with the team. I was looking at what it meant for Jordan Poole, how, how the team was handling it in different ways. And as the season has unfolded, I wanted to wait for enough time to pass for us to have a large enough sample size. But I think it's fair to say now that he has done, Draymond Green has done a really good job of kind of reclaiming his, his status as a locker room leader, which admittedly is not something I thought was possible a few months ago. And as I wrote in that story, 
Um, I think it's the biggest form of redemption he's ever had in his career. He's had to bounce back from a lot of different things, both self-imposed and otherwise throughout his career. And the fact that he is playing the way he's playing this season on both ends, and he seems to genuinely be regaining the trust of his teammates in the front office, and he doesn't look like he's going to be traded this offseason, is one of the most mind-boggling feats I've ever seen in my career because it was bad a few, a few months ago. Does it say more about Draymond Green, or is it Warriors culture? Is it Steve Kerr? Is it an amalgam of those things? Yeah, I think it's all those things. I mean, for for it to be trending the way it's trending with Draymond, it's not just Draymond doing the right things, but it's the right things being done behind the scenes, you know, the right conversations being had, the right tone being set with uh, the leadership in place. And I think, I think that even though I had some issues with them not actually suspending Draymond at the time, I do think in a lot of ways, they have handled it the right way. And, uh, you know, Draymond is a guy who is very used to adversity in his life and in his career. And so even though this was incredibly embarrassing for him and his family uh, for that video to be leaked, he did say several times afterward, I'm going to come back from this, I'm going to come back from this. And at that time, I mean, admittedly, I was doing a little bit of an eye roll, like, okay, man, I'm not sure this is something you can really – come back from but he's starting to prove me wrong and uh you know you got to give him credit for that the the video was leaked to tmz did did they ever find out who leaked it do you have a theory on that my understanding is that they have not uh found out who leaked it i know they launched an investigation i don't think it yielded any real results they wouldn't release those results even if they did find something but just talking to people, I haven't heard that they learned anything. The the you know it, I just don't I don't think this happens on a lot of teams and any maybe with a lot of other personalities and you know where you're able to kind of put it back together again and I know that you know Zach Randolph punched Reuben Patterson at a practice but they were never really the same again and that franchise that Blazers franchise wasn't contending for championships amid all that and it's remarkable to see this in a locker room or on a team that it, that is heralded for its culture and its chemistry, and yet, you know, here they are kind of, you know, fighting their way back up the standings. Uh, you know, the role that Draymond's playing now, um, is he a guy that you see with this organization next season and beyond, or does he opt out and take off? At this point, I, I do see him with the team beyond this season. Um, it just feels like, the good vibes are flowing. You know, the, the Warriors very much understand how important he is. This is a team that has had a very up-and-down season, but I think it's fair to say they're still very much in the hunt for a title. That would not be the case if they didn't have Draymond Green. Uh, he has by far the best plus-minus plus on the team. Um, he consistently does every year, which kind of speaks to his value. He does all of the little things, um, and he's really been – huge with the young guys especially this year so yeah I definitely see him sticking around and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because the Warriors do have a salary cap crunch you know the luxury tax for them is getting absolutely unwieldy and they're going to have to make some tough decisions this offseason and there aren't a lot of guys that they can necessarily part with who have big enough salaries 
So they're going to have to get creative. But I do think that Draymond's going to stick around. He's built is up it, too much equity at this point. Yeah, is this, I mean, I don't want to say is this what he needed, but I kind of wonder, like, it just feels like Draymond is more comfortable when there's some some uh, controversy around him and there's some chaos around him and there's some there are people doubting him. He seems to focus more. I mean, is that a fair characterization? 100%. I mean, he's a guy who needs stakes, um, and he, he needs something to kind of motivate him every single day. I covered the 2019-20 season where, when they were the worst team in the league and Steph was injured, and there was a huge chunk of that season where Draymond was the only kind of core guy available, and he was awful that year, absolutely awful. And he said after the season, yeah, it was awful because I didn't, no one, I didn't care. Like, there were no stakes. You know, like we weren't playing for anything. So why, why should I give my best effort? And uh, this year, obviously, they're playing for a lot. He, he knows how valuable he is. But to your point, I do think there's that need and desire to silence the quote-unquote critics. You know, I think that's an overwrought uh, storyline in sports writing. But in this case, I think it's applicable. We're talking with Connor Letourneau, San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, does a fantastic job as a uh, senior writer there and a sports enterprise writer, formerly the beat reporter on that Warriors beat for a while. Uh, are the Warriors a contender this year in your mind? I think so. Uh, I definitely think so because who else really is? I mean, if the if the West wasn't as jumbled as it is and as flawed as it is, I would say they have no chance. But given the fact that there's been no clear team that has separated itself, why not the Warriors? I mean, they have the pedigree. Um, you know, it seems like they're figuring some things out. I think the way they've looked with Steph out over the past three weeks has been really encouraging. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think they have a shot. The Jordan Poole's relationship with Draymond, it, the impression was that these guys, they were they were close after Poole was drafted. And it, what happened there? Yeah, they were legit close. I mean, you know how it is when you're in a locker room every day. You can kind of tell who's just kind of work friends and who's actually friends. And they felt like real friends. I mean, Draymond uh, positioned his locker right next to Jordan's when Jordan got drafted and really took him under his wing, even though Jordan's a Michigan guy and obviously Draymond's a Michigan State guy. But I think that... Um, you know, just Jordan's toughness and confidence and swagger really spoke to Draymond. And I know Draymond was really proud of how Jordan came back from the G League and emerged into this kind of all-star caliber player. Um, and so, I mean, I literally wrote a story last playoffs about how close they were and how that dynamic was playing out on the court. And then a few months later, this happened. Um, but I think... You know how life is. Sometimes you you blow up the most on the people you're closest to. And, you know, you, that familiarity can kind of easily bleed into uh, animosity sometimes or, or what have you. I think in this case, Jordan was just probably in the wrong place at the wrong time. But um, there was a real friendship there. I would be surprised if, if they fully get that back. But based off what we're seeing, I mean, it seems like they're at least cordial with each other now he got kicked out last night and i know i know it comes on the heels of you writing the story but it was that second tech was kind of a weak tech yeah it was I, there there have been a lot of dream on objections where it's like 
Uh, was that really like warranting the rejection? I mean, you you do kind of feel like there's a bias against them on the refs side at times. Now, Connor, I uh, you know I want to move away from the NBA because you wrote a great story last year uh, about Aquira Da Costa, who was a high-level basketball recruit whose life took a a crazy turn uh, that you'd wish on no one. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that story? I know that you know got a lot of run and a lot of play, but uh, she was kidnapped, sex trafficked. Uh, tell us what you know. Yeah, so Akira Costa was the number two ranked women's basketball recruit, I believe, in the 2018 recruiting class. She was going to Baylor. She spent a little bit of time at Baylor, kind of bounced around, fell off the map. A lot of people, especially in women's basketball circles, kind of wondered what happened to Akira Costa, like. No one ever really heard from her over the past little while. And uh, I I had heard that she resurfaced in the semi-pro league in the Bay Area and won won MVP of the league. And so I just thought, okay, there's some sort of story there. So I went and met up with her, and about an hour into the interview, uh, she tells me that she was kidnapped and sold into a sex trafficking ring and pimped out on the streets of Sacramento and actually all of I-5. She ended up in Portland at one point um, for three months and then escaped with the help of her family. So that was definitely probably the craziest story I've ever written in my life. I spent a straight month just focused on that. Um, And, uh, you know, I was happy that we were able to get it out there. I'm glad you told that story. People want to read it, sfchronicle.com. You can find it pretty easily. Connor Letourneau, did you get home at all? Did you get back to the Portland area for Christmas, holidays, New Year, any of that? I uh, came back for uh, Thanksgiving. I actually drove up with the fiancé and the future stepkid, and and I uh, got to visit the fam. Always love coming back to Portland. Love it, man. Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, appreciate you coming on and making time for us. All right. Thank you. Anytime. Connor Letourneau, San Francisco Chronicle, senior writer. He's now doing Enterprise. Uh, he's got, uh, you know, obviously the experience and the background with the NBA. But you may remember him covering uh, Oregon State football, basketball, uh, working in the state of Oregon, growing up here. Uh, always good to touch base with Connor Letourneau. Uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll continue to talk about some recruiting. We will get a visit uh, from Brandon Huffman of 24-7 Sports, National Recruiting Editor. He's in San Antonio where he has seen firsthand some of the commits that are committed in the Pac-12. He's really got a handle on what is going on in the Pac-12. We talked to Greg Biggins earlier about uh, DJ and Mateo Unga, you know, Uyunga Lele, sorry. Uh, that's going to be a recurring thing. But uh, – We're now going to focus a little bit more on the Pac-12 Conference and recruiting with Brandon Huffman, 24-7 sports, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, plus the 5 at 5, still ahead. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.